Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. A distinct difference between a possibility and a promise. And so this morning, uh, after having, at least from my vantage point, exhausted the challenges of this of these eight challenges of this great sermon, I want us to start looking at the promises. And so before we do that, Sister Staten shared with me something that I think is very fitting for, um, for what we're talking about this morning. So we've got a little, uh, a little Sunday school treat for you. When I have an attitude, I got to fix it myself because it's my attitude in my way. I, I know, I need to start listening. And I'm starting a new life on myself. So, everybody else, they're not making me have an attitude. I'm doing an attitude thing. They're not. They're trying to help me out. But I just don't like the way they do it. But I gotta have friends, or else I have nothing. I don't want to have all my toys out of my room, or I don't want a mattress light just laying on the floor. But at least I got a family in my heart, and you, and myself, and my good attitude. I gotta fix the attitude. Nobody else ain't gonna fix the attitude. I'm going to fix the attitude. It's my attitude and my life. So I got to fix the, my own attitude. Nobody else ain't going to tell me this because it's my attitude. And why not? I should just be friends. I'm a nice girl, but not nice enough. But I'm good enough for friends, but not that good. My attitude, it is not that good. My attitude is super badly. And I'm changing my life. I'm having another life. Thank you for talking to me. Well, it's my attitude. And I got to fix my attitude. Right? Okay, time for the altar call. Uh, the truth is, we talked about this. Attitude produces feelings, and feelings and attitude work together to ultimately be portrayed in behavior, right? I mean, you know, you can fake it for a while. You can make people think that your attitude is right. Your, let's, let's put it in the right context. My spirit is right, right? And eventually... <clears throat> right? That spirit is going to come out. Y'all leave me hanging? No, no, right? How you really feel about something is going to be portrayed. And so we spent these 
first five weeks talking, or first five lessons talking about the challenges that come with a beatitude or with having the right attitude and those things that are a part of that. And so in that study, we discussed, who, uh, I told you that, that we're going to answer two questions. The first one was, who's going to be a citizen of heaven, right? And, and we understand the Bible gives great context to the idea of who's going to be a citizen of heaven. But we talked about the spiritually destitute, those that are poor in the spirit, the sorrowful, the repentant, those that are allowing godly sorrow to work repentance in their life. We said the meek, the humble people, those are the people that are going to have that right attitude that's going to make them or help them become a citizen of heaven. We said the, the hungry for God's presence, the merciful, those that have a focused and pure heart, those peacemakers, and ultimately those people that none of us want to be, but those that are willing to suffer for the sake of righteousness, those were qualities that the citizens of heaven are going to, are going to possess. Now, I'm not going to uh, reteach all of that context, but I want us to kind of shift that gear just a little bit this morning. And so let's look at the second part of that. So these are the challenges that we discussed, and now we're going to look at some benefits. So what what are the benefits? What are the blessings? Jesus said in the King James Version, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And we talked about how that blessing, that word blessing really meant the maturity or that completeness and all of those different ideologies that go with that. And so this morning as we start digging into, and I told my wife I'm going to take two weeks and talk about blessings and benefits, and she laughed at me. I might be teaching this in July, who knows, but um, it, it's okay, right? And so when I, when I start, when, when we start talking about benefits, you know, what are the blessings? What are the benefits of achieving this level of spiritual maturity? What am, we we got to kind of ask the question, what am I going to get out of this? What do I receive for doing this or being a part of this? And, and, and certainly that sounds selfish and, and almost never in the kingdom of God are we allowed to ask the question, what do I get out of this? Now, we always ask that question. We don't want anybody to know we ask that question, but we always, what am I getting out of this? What's in it for me, right? But when, when it comes to a benefit, when it comes to something, you need to understand, I need to understand that a benefit and a, is, is a blessing that is specifically for you. We understand benefits, right? You go apply for a new job, what, what is the benefit? What does it benefit me? I, I work for the government, and they really, they love to move people around and give them added responsibility without added compensation. And all the government employees said amen, right? And, and I'm, not, I'm not about that. If you want me to take on more responsibility, you need to compensate me. What's, what do I get out of this, right? Now, in, in the spiritual sense, it, it's difficult for us because we understand there has to be a level of humility. There has to be some of that, that, that attitude that we need to portray. But the reality is, what, what am I going to get? What is, what is it? Why? Because a blessing is something that I'm going to get an advantage from. It's something that's going to profit me. It's a, it's a benefit that, that has my interest in mind, and it's for my welfare. And so benefits are, are blessings that are intended to give me an advantage. And they're, they're there to help in time of need and in time of assistance. And so the psalmist said it this way in Psalms 103, verse 2. David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And so we're, we're going to dig into this just a little bit this morning, and we're going to talk about the benefits. Now, what I find uh, interesting 
about the first benefit. He said in verse 3, bless the Lord. Uh, 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 he said, blessed, bless the, I'm sorry, verse 3 of John chapter 5. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is, is the kingdom of heaven. Now, uh, I, I said, okay, here's the great first benefit. But I also found it's the same benefit in verse 10. He said, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Again, exactly the same wording for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so there's a blessing on the first end of this attitude, and it's the same blessing on the other end of that attitude, right? Or that, that, that be attitude. And so I think a, a normal understanding is, is that we could say everything in the middle falls into the scope of the kingdom of heaven. And so uh, Jesus says this, the blessing, the benefit that you're going to have for being poor in spirit, the, the, the blessing, the benefit that I'm going to have for being willing to suffer persecution for righteousness sake. Now, how many of you understand? Not just being willing to suffer, but for the right reason. We talked about that last week, right? And so the benefit, right, is Jesus says it this way, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Tell, turn to your neighbor and say, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, we understand uh, throughout Scripture that the, the terms kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are used interchangeably, but this is the only blessing that is repeated. And so I, I find this, that in the Bible, nothing is done by chance, but generally, uh, it's, it's, it's almost always done for a specific purpose. And so when something in Scripture is repeated, it's meant to draw the reader's attention back to a specific idea. Listen, the only reason why we want to change our attitude which is going to affect our living, our behavior, right, is because we want to get to heaven. Am I, am I alone? No? So I hear some marbles rattling. Okay. So, I mean, that's, listen, if I'm not going to go to heaven, why would I change my behavior? Right? That young lady in the video said, look, I don't want to sleep on a mattress on the floor and I don't want all my toys. There was there was reason behind her understanding, you know, I need friends, and I'm not a very good friend. She, she portrayed that, you know, I'm not a good enough friend, right? And, and the truth is, the reality is for us is that we're not good enough people, right? I, I you know, I, I checked, but the spoon that my wife feeds me from, from time to time is not silver. Hello? I can't buy my way. I can't purchase my way. Heaven is not mine. And so this, this repeated blessing, this ideology, is that if I'm, if I'm willing to take on these eight challenges and modify my behavior, the benefit, the reward, is the kingdom of heaven. And so uh, what, I find, what I really find interesting about this is Jesus says it this way, theirs. Tell your neighbor, theirs. Now, I, I'm going deep into the Greek here. The Greek word here that is used for theirs is, is the Greek word autos, all right? And it means self, but it means it in the emphatic sense. And so as I began to kind of try to dig through some of this, he's, I want, who is he specifically saying this to? In the English language, this is what we call a demonstrative pronoun. Now, who's my English teacher in here? Okay, Jesse, everybody pointing at Jesse. Jesse, do not correct me until after class, okay? All right, but... All right, a demonstrative pronoun 
is a pronoun that modifies or takes the place of the noun, right? And so we, we understand, you know, what, what a pronoun is, right? D- d- not demonstrative pronouns or this, that, these, those, and there, right? The Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 kind of gives us the ideology of what a pronoun is, right? The, 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 the angel says to Mary, he sh- he, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So that's the pronoun, right? That, that right there, he shall. They, don't, he, he didn't, they didn't write it as thou shalt call his name Jesus, for Jesus shall save his people. We just substitute that as a pronoun. But in this particular instance, this is not just a pronoun. It's a demonstrative pronoun. And so what that means is in our everyday language, we use that. And so the, the demonstrative pronoun, it expresses two basic ideas. The first one, it can, ex- it can express opposition or it can express distinction. And so what I find interesting in this case is that Jesus wasn't expressing opposition. He was expressing distinction. And so this distinction gives us the, the, these, the, 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 the two specific things that we're going to talk about. Jesus says it this way in a demonstrative manner. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? Those that are poor in spirit and those that are willing, right? And we still find that difficult to understand. Believe me, it's coming. It's going to be a reality in our world, right? I was talking to Bishop about it last night. But theirs, again, that, that demonstrative pronoun, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so what this, what this demonstrative pronoun does for us is it gives us a sense of Two, two specific things about the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to talk about these this morning in the context of theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The first one it gives us is identity, and the second one is ownership. And so we define that the poor in spirit are those that feel this deep sense of spiritual destitution. People who realize their complete inability, and they have that, 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 that sense of nothingness before God. That, that reality that I've been talking about, right, that, that I, cannot, I cannot affect my own salvation in any way, in any shape, in any form. I, I have no inherent righteousness. I have no inherent, I can't make a case before God for my righteousness. And so we understand that, right? We said this when, in, in the first lesson, to, to be poor in spirit is defined by three things, having a humble opinion of ourselves. Okay, well, that, that excludes 99.999% of our world today. The, the second point we said that, that defines these that are poor in spirit is they understand that they are sinners saved solely by the grace of God. Okay? It's 99.9999999999999% of the people are now excluded from, from this category of those 9 billion people on the earth. And the final point of this ideology of being poor in spirit is they have absolutely no righteousness of their own. Now, this is where I would say more so in the church we struggle than not, right? And so the idea is that we conveyed is that to be poor in spirit is that we're complete spiritual beggars. We're vagabonds. We, we, we're, we're, we're hobos. We have absolutely no spiritual means, no ability whatsoever to survive. And so we cannot work. We cannot earn. We cannot purchase anything spiritually of ourselves. It is by the grace and by the mercy of God. And so this is, this is true not only of our situation, but it's an attitude that, that really permeates our, our, our world today. You know, how many of you seen people get upset over something that was so really minor? How many of you have been upset over something that was really, really, really minor? 
hold on. Okay? I, you know, why? Because we want everybody to think that we don't have any pride, that we're not arrogant. We want everybody to think that way, but it's really not always the truth. And, and to take it a step further, our world does not understand. They cannot comprehend just how great their need of God truly is. But for us as the people of God, we have to understand, we have to grasp that walking with God is a spiritual adventure. It is an identity, right? And so you know, we, we talked about this. Jesus, the, the Bible says, Jesus said this, apart from me or without me, you cannot do anything. So we could have church today without Jesus, but we couldn't do anything. What do you mean? Well, we could, we could sing songs, we could take an offering, we could make people happy or sad, we could do all of those things, but we couldn't change someone's spiritual identity without the Spirit of God, right? We couldn't, we couldn't affect a life without the Word of God, and so that's the point that I'm trying to make. And so the, the point here isn't that we don't have any value, the point is that we don't have any means. And so without Jesus Christ, without the ultimate sacrifice of Calvary, we are destitute. We are beggars. We are living in complete spiritual poverty. Here's how James wrote it to the New Testament church in James chapter 2, verse 5. He said, listen or hearken to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor of this world right, to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to them that love him. Now listen, we've got to kind of, before I dig too deep into this, you've got to kind of get a big picture. This thing is not about church. Coming to church is not all about church. It's about church, right? We need you to be plugged into what's going on here, but there's got to be a bigger picture mentality. This is about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus made it this demonstrative. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There, he, he ascribes that to him. And so this reward for being poor in spirit and for being willing to suffer for the right reason is to be identified as a part or a member of the kingdom of heaven. Now, strictly from a theological standpoint, many good people are confused about who they are in Jesus Christ. Uh, you, you don't need to come to church very long and you're going to hear somebody talk about identity because we struggle so much with identity. Understanding our identity as God's people and our identity as the church of the living God, the, the ecclesia, the called out ones, is critical. It's critical that we understand who we are. And so here Jesus, and he starts this sermon off, and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hello? I thought he was making opening remarks, right? And he just jumps right to, the, right, right to heaven. And then he goes down that list of challenge, 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 challenge. And theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Hold on a second. You know, why, why would I sacrifice? Why would I give? Why would I spend my time and my energy and my effort? Why would I read my Bible? Why would I pray? Why would I pay tithes? Why would I come to Why? Because there is a benefit at the end of all of this. And so we've got to understand that, that the, we've got to understand our identity as the people of God is, is it's, it's not really so much, uh, he's not talking about a qualifier, he's talking about an identifier. Now we, we understand this, we, we grasp this, right? So a, a qualifier and an identifier are two different things. We know that in order to be a part of the kingdom, it requires more than spiritual poverty. It, require, it requires more than a willingness to suffer. It requires the death and the burial and the resurrection. It still requires repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It requires us to live a holy and separated life. It requires us to turn away from sin and to fellowship with God. It, re, it 
requires that, right? And so we understand that my identity, your identity as a citizen of heaven is going to shape my behavior. This is where I think we struggle as the church sometimes. And we, we understand how Peter, Peter described it to the New Testament church. He said, you are a, 1 Peter chapter 2, you, many of you could quote this. He said, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He called out living hope in, in specific here. You are a peculiar people. He called us out. You didn't know we were in the Bible, right? Right? That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. What does this mean? Here's what Jesus does. He identifies this is the right spirit, the right attitude to get you into the kingdom of heaven. These two things, having a poor spirit understanding. And this is what's so difficult for the New Testament church. We somehow think that if I, I come to church and I pay my tithes and I do something around the church and I, then I'm qualified. None of that qualifies you for heaven. Those things you ought to do, those things you need to do, those things you have got to do, right? Just like paying taxes, you're not going to have a choice in that. You've got to fellowship with the body in order, right, to make it. That's, that's a qualification, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, and so much the more. But understanding, the identifier is different than the qualifier. And so Jesus said, this is a spirit that identifies you as part of the kingdom of heaven. That, 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 that poor in spirit, that, that, that recognition that after 30-something years of coming to church every Sunday and not missing and, and paying my tithes religiously and doing all that I can the kingdom of God, not one bit of that qualifies me for the kingdom, but it does identify me as part of the kingdom. Does that, does that make sense? Am I helping here? And so we've, we've got to grasp this and understand this. When Jesus said, theirs is, that's the demonstrative pronoun. He could have said, Jeff is, is part of the kingdom, or Trey is part of the kingdom, right? Or, or, or sister is part of the kingdom. He could have said any of those things, but he didn't. He used that demonstrative pronoun, and it was, it's, it's in the emphatic sense. These are things that, 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 that qualify us, and, and we get it. Why? Because we understand, right? Here's what he goes on in verse 10. In time past, we're not a people. Well, we were people. No, no. What he said, you weren't part of the kingdom. You weren't part of those people, right? But now are the people of God. We were just basic humanity that was lost in sin, going nowhere, heading nowhere, but which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And so he, he gives us this understanding that, that my identity is tied to my attitude. Now, look, where, where were we? we? We went to dinner the other night, and, and the young lady was wearing paint, and it was, it was quite, um, uh, okay, I'm being nice. It was extravagant. Uh, it was multicolored. I mean, uh, to me, in this little bit area here, it would be hard to, to put that much different color, but I don't know. I paint with a broader stroke, I guess. And it, it was just like, poof. You know, every time I looked at this lady, it was like a rainbow. And, you know, I, it, but, okay, that, that, that's her thing, right? I'm not mad at her about it. That's her identity. She's trying to express something to her world by, look, you, you dress a certain way, you act a certain way, you comb your hair a certain way or don't comb your hair a certain way. Why? Because that's your identity. And, and we, 
we are all trying to portray a certain identity to our world. Some people portray confidence. Some people portray a lack of confidence. Some people portray competence. Some people not so much. Right? Southern Maryland, we have a lot of incompetent drivers. I I thought I could get more amens than that in Southern Maryland, for crying out loud, right? But here's the thing. Coming to church is not an identifier. I'm sorry, it's not a qualifier. It's an identifier. I come to church, right, and we, I want the world to identify me as a Christian. Does that make sense? And so here we are. We're, we're, we're struggling with this attitude because this is a difficult attitude. To, it's hard to be poor in spirit all the time. Because at some point, something's going to go right in your life, and you're going to feel really good about yourself. Hello? Right? And, and when, you're on, when you feel good about yourself, and you know you've done a good job, and you've done the right thing, and you feel good about yourself, then there is this part of you that doesn't want to give that glory to God. Hello? Am I in the right place this morning? Okay, and so understanding that comes naturally to us. Here's what he said, the blessing of being, of having the attitude that is one that is poor in spirit, that is complete humility, that I have no spiritual means, that that 30s, I don't know how many years now, Brother Che, 18, 20 years or whatever it's been now, that I've been coming to church every Sunday religiously has no spiritual value. I can't hold that up to God and say, look, God, I missed five Sundays in 20 years. God says, so what? The only thing that's going to qualify me for the kingdom is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so what Jesus is saying, this is an identifiable spirit. This is the right attitude that's going to help you get to the place of qualification. But it's going to identify you as part of the kingdom of heaven. Listen, people not that are just beggars or poor, or we talk about people that don't have enough, that doesn't qualify them for heaven. But those that are spiritually destitute are identified as candidates for the kingdom of God. That's got to make us, that's got to make, listen, no matter what we do today, if God doesn't come in and do what God only can do, then we're, we're a failure, right? You hear pastors say that all the time. And so you've got to know you can come to church and have good church and feel good about yourself, but you can never feel so good that you think God owes you something. He doesn't owe you anything. It's by the grace and the mercy and the power. Come on, it's by the blood of Jesus, right? We've got to understand that. What's my blessing? What's my blessing in this is that it identifies me as a candidate for the kingdom of heaven. And that's where I've got to get my identity. I'm going to wear certain shoes or certain clothes because I want you to think a certain thing about me. I've got to get beyond that. You've got to get beyond that. When it comes to spiritual matters, it matters. We talk about it. It matters how you come. It matters how you approach God and your spirit and your attitude that affects your behavior are going to identify you as a candidate for heaven. That's why he said theirs is. That's why he put the emphatic statement on it. You can wear the best dress you got. You can wear the best suit you can afford. You can do all of those things, but they don't, they don't identify you or qualify you for the kingdom. But what qualify, what identifies you as a candidate is that poor spirit. God doesn't owe me anything. Let's go a step further. The church doesn't owe me anything. 
Oh, no. The world doesn't owe me. Why? Because that attitude that the world owes me this or the world owes me that, it's going to, it's an attitude, it's a spirit that dwells in, and it's going to eventually go from the natural into the spiritual. It's a natural progression. And so we've got to understand that we've been called out of darkness, and, and we really are. It's hard, it's hard to balance that confidence with that inability. It's really difficult to balance that. The Apostle Paul, go back and read how he wrote to the New Testament churches. And he said, of sinners, I'm chief, right? But at the same time, he's talking about his, his qualifications and how he was this and that and all that. If anybody had a right to boast. He, but he said, in Philippians, he said, but I am nothing before God. And so this qualifier is, is very important. But the second part of that, the second benefit that's tied to the kingdom is kingdom ownership. Now, this one's a little bit more difficult. When Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God, he, he always spoke in parables or, or symbology to help us understand. Why? Because, because it's really hard for us to understand the kingdom of heaven. How many of you think you know what heaven's going to be like? Come on, be honest. Some of you are like, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to get my cloud and my harp. You can't play the harp. You think you're going to walk into heaven and start playing harps? You better go get you some lessons. But the, the glimpses that we get in Scripture of heaven is that you're still, your personality, you're still going to be you. Go back and read about the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus, right, he, woke up, he woke up in Abraham's bosom and the rich man, he didn't wake up in that place. But he recognized Lazarus, his, his personality, who he was, his spirit, his attitude was the same. Hey, I'm the rich man who woke up in hell. Hey, God, why don't you send Lazarus over here and let him dip his wife? Why would he send Lazarus? Because I'm the rich man and he's the poor man. Let, let Lazarus dip his tongue, in, dip his finger in water and come put it on my tongue to quench his fire. And God said, no, 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 you don't understand. In your life, you had your good stuff and Lazarus didn't. But now, he's a candidate. He's in the qualification process. He's, he's in the bosom of Abraham. Well, okay, God, if that won't work, then send somebody back to tell my brothers. And God said, no, no, if they won't hear the word of God, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, there are you with me, right? And so we got to understand, the, the Bible tries really hard to describe for us what heaven is like. And the truth is, in our humanity, we cannot possibly understand what heaven is like. You go back and read the book of John. He said, you know, there's going to be mansions, right? We always talk about mansions, mansions, all right. You know, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, right? Go back and study that out. That mansion isn't a place where you live. It's a place where you work. Oh, I just blew somebody's heaven bubble all up. A place where you work. Oh, my Lord, we work. No, no, go back and study out. Listen, when you go to heaven, you're going to have a purpose. You're going to have a reason. You're going to have something to do. It's not going to be church all the time. You're going to, listen, the Bible says we're going to rule and reign. How many of you know that ruling and reigning is work? Just ruling over your own life is hard work. Some of us need to do a better job at that. 
Starting right here, okay? And, and so Jesus said this. He said, the kingdom of God is likened unto. He said, it's, it's like a, a king who wanted to settle accounts. It's like a, a king who prepared a wedding, base, uh, a wedding banquet. It's like a, a man who sowed in a field. It's like these ten virgins. He was trying to give us some symbology so that we could understand the kingdom. And so the Bible goes to great, to great length to show us the context of God's sovereignty over the universe. The Bible goes and talks about this portrayal that God is the sole reigning monarch over everything. He's the king over all the kings. He's the Lord over every Lord. Exodus chapter 15 verse 18 says, he's the Lord who will reign forever and ever. That, that breaks me. I, Brother Jose, I, I get lost right there. If he's the lane, the, he's going to, other translations says forever and ever. You can't go beyond forever. I can't understand forever and ever. If forever is all of time, what's ever? You know? So I can't understand. I can't understand the kingdom of heaven completely. The psalmist in Psalms 24:10 says, He is the king of all glory. He's the king of glory, the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. We understand this about God. Isaiah saw him in Isaiah chapter 6, and he saw him sitting on a throne high and lifted up. Paul wrote to Timothy and spoke of, spoke of the Lord. He said he's the king eternal. He's immortal. He's invisible, the only God. And to him, he's due honor and glory forever and ever. Again, forever. What's beyond that, right? And so the Bible paints for us this picture, this complete picture of God as the great and mighty king over everything. And the kingdom of heaven basically is an Old Testament concept. When you go back and look in Scripture, David declares in Psalms 10 and 16, the Lord is king forever and ever. In Psalms 145 and 13, he said his kingdom is everlasting and that his dominion endures throughout all generations. And yet we live in a world that says, you know, God's outdated. Church is outdated. Y'all are wasting your Sundays. You should find something better to do with your time. Daniel, Daniel wrote about the God of heaven who will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. When I, when I was a young man, probably even not that long ago, when I was in the military, I didn't think America would ever fall. But now, a few years down the road, I'm like, man, this, this country's in trouble. I, I don't know. I'm not a doomsdayer. I, I have no earthly idea. But I, I don't believe that my grandchildren will grow old in the same type of America that I grew up in. It's, it's understandable, right? We, we get that, right? And so uh, this is all wonderful, Brother Roberts, but how does this benefit me? I, I'm glad you asked. The second benefit of being a part of the spiritual kingdom is ownership. And ownership, it comes with rights and with privileges, but it also has responsibilities. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, some people, they, they treat... <laughs> they treat the kingdom like a timeshare. <laughs> you know, you, you pay your monthly payment, you pick out your week, you pay your fees, you deal with the cleaning costs, and then you get to go spend a week in paradise anytime you want. Timeshare, man. When I get to heaven, whew, you know, all right. But we've got to understand that when he identified us, right, as candidates for heaven, he put that demonstrative effect in there that we should understand heaven is, is, is not for everybody. 
Why? Because some people don't want the, they want the, they want the, they want the privileges, they, they want the rights, but they don't want the responsibilities. I, I mean, man, I, who wouldn't want forgiveness, right? Right? The psalmist said it this way, Psalms 103.3, he forgiveth all my sins, he heals all my diseases. Good to go. All right, that's my privilege. You got it. That's, that's a benefit, right? But we like healing. We like forgiveness. We like deliverance. We like the authority that comes from God's kingdom. We, we like all that stuff. That's great. That's wonderful. I, I'm, I'm jumping for joy. I'm shouting. I'm having a good Holy Ghost hold down. But what about the responsibilities? Theirs is the kingdom of God. And so we like the privilege of this, but we don't always like the responsibility. What do you mean? What's the responsibility? In my name... They're going to cast out devils. Oh, that's a privilege, right? Oh, oh well, hold on a second. They're going to speak in new tongues. They're going to take up serp. Well, I don't want to take up. If they drink any deadly, I don't want to drink that. They're going to lay hands on the sick. Okay, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Oh, it's okay. If I feel like it. But, I, but Jesus, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not into, I'm not into picking up bad spirits. I'm not into, right? No, no. See, that's a kingdom responsibility. And if we're not careful, he identifies I, I, my benefits. What's my benefit, right? How many of you got benefits? How many of your benefits are the same as they were when you first got them? No. We, we got benefits. We got good health care. And those benefits are always changing, Right? Listen, you got to understand something. In the kingdom of God, his benefits aren't changing. Now, we come to church and we like the privileges. Man, I'm casting that devil out in Jesus' name. But I don't want to deal with this spirit. Well, you know, I, I mean, come on. I, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay with the benefit of being, but I don't want to suffer. Even for righteousness' sake. Does this make sense somewhere? Is this helping somebody understand what I'm talking about? He said theirs is the kingdom of heaven, but we want the rights. We want the privilege. We want to come in. We want to lay hands on the sick. We want them to recover. We want to get that glory and that honor, but we don't want to drink the deadly thing. We don't want to, right? I'm telling you, in the physical realm, I'm not picking up that serpent. You don't have to worry about that. It's not a question. There's, in the spiritual sense, Sometimes we don't want to take on the negativity that it takes to see people come from sin to saint, from light to dark, from death to life. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome responsibility. He said, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? It means I've got the, I want to come and I want to have church when I feel like having church, but I don't want to have church if I don't feel like it. But we've got to understand there's a responsibility. My worship is not just about me. My worship is tied to the person who needs deliverance, who needs healing, who needs forgiveness, who does not know Jesus Christ like I do. And so with every benefit, my benefits cost me something every month. I got to pay for them. And so what we do is we negotiate our benefits. Wrong kingdom. Wrong kingdom. No, no, no. And so, uh, okay, I, I want some of this. You know, we're, we're at the buffet. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, double portion. No, 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 double portion. No, 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 no. Oh, you know, no. And we move down the buffet line and we come to church and we're, listen, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Listen, if you're going to be part of the kingdom of heaven, he doesn't owe you one thing. And every time you come in, it's not just a right, it's not just a privilege to worship God, it's a responsibility. 
It's not a right and a privilege to go to an altar. It's a responsibility. Listen, he identified you. He said, listen, those that are poor in spirit, they're candidates. But now they've got to do some stuff. They've got to go through some stuff that they don't like. And so this is the difficult part for us because we're used to, we understand benefits. I grasp that. Get the booklet out. Honey, is that covered? No, it's not covered. Oh, I got to pay for it out of pocket. But you can't pay for anything in this kingdom out of pocket. It's all covered, but you have still got to put in the work. You still got to pay the price. You still got to go from identifier to qualifier. And so we come in and we, we're, we're struggling, we're dealing with this. There's responsibilities, but it also goes on. Someone who's a part of the kingdom, they can possess spiritual territory. Oh, my goodness. Well, I like living hope. Whew, living hope is a great church. I mean, man, we are occupying spiritual territory. We've got authority and dominion in St. Mary's County. But where were you when the price was being paid? Listen, I'm talking to our humanity. We like to occupy. We're okay with that. Man, Bishop paid the price. The old, the old church, there's a handful of us left. They came to prayer meeting all the time. They prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. They worshiped when there was nobody. They dealt with the orange pews and ugly floors and, and rat infestations and God only knows what else. They dealt with all that stuff. But now we want to come in and celebrate with what God's doing. But we don't want to sacrifice for the next phase. Identifier to qualifier, right? Ownership. Oh, man, this is like, I, I get my week, I get my turn. It's my turn to get the microphone. It's my turn to be, hear what I'm saying, understand what I'm talking. I'm telling this, there's a cost to being, there's a cost, there's a cost. And, and we've got to, listen, it's not just the right and the privilege. It's also the responsibility. It's, it's, not, our, it's not our right and privilege to occupy the things that we have got, that we've, we've gained as a church. It's our responsibility to step out, to, to get into places we've never gone before, and to take some new territory, and to win some new battles. Why? Because there's still spiritual foes in St. Mary's County. There's still spirits that need to be defeated. They're... Well, Trey, I feel that. Man, I've been here since Moby Dick was a minnow. I've been part of this church since early on. I mean, I feel that, man. I, it's time for me to come in and sit back and just, you know what? Come on, man. I, I danced my dance. I prayed my prayers. I taught my lessons. It's time. No, 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 no. God wants to do something more because it's a kingdom thing. It's a key. Listen, the mindset, the attitude is about the kingdom. I'm trying to help this group. Because if I can engage this group into taking that responsibility on, because I recognize the mature people understand that responsibility goes with right and goes with privilege. We love that authority. I mean, authority is great, right? Right? I mean, I got Mark eleven twenty three underlined in my Bible. Verily I say unto you that thou, well, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass, and he shall have whatever, what, whatsoever he saith. Man, that makes me want to dance, right? When I put on my shoes this morning, I already had victory, I already had power, I already had anointing. But there's a responsibility that goes with that power and that victory and that anointing. And it's not easy. 
It's not, right? Because a lot of people want to be identified as a citizen of heaven, but they, they want the kingdom privilege, but they, they don't want the responsibilities. Why is this particular trait identified two times? That qualifier that qualifies me is the, the poor in spirit. No way around it. You're not going to get into heaven without it. It's, it's, not, it's not going to happen. But it goes just that step further when I get all the way down to verse 10 and he says, willing to suffer persecution, willing to be slandered, willing to be beat, willing to lose their life for righteousness' sake, for the faith. Right? Abraham, when you start studying out righteousness in the Bible, Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness' sake. Am I willing to be persecuted for what I believe? Am I willing, right? That's a tough question, right? I mean, come on, let's get back to some anointing. Let's get back to some Holy Ghost hold Let's get back to I'm feeling good today. I want to dance. I'm the, let's get back to I, I, I want to be engaged today. Let's get back to that. Let's, don't, let's, let's get off of that persecution. We don't want to listen. No, no, that, that's a kingdom quality. That's a kingdom quality, and it's difficult. It's hard, right? But it also creates spiritual citizenry. The old songwriter said, this world is not my home. I, I'm just a, a passing through, right? My home is laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Is that right? Right? Understanding the, the spiritual essence of this kingdom. When I came in this morning, Trey, I think Brother Peoples was the only one here before me. I didn't see anything spiritual when I walked into this sanctuary. I didn't see anything spiritual. I saw chairs. I saw some new cables, some new speakers, a new board. I, I, I saw the walls. I saw the lights. You know, I, I saw the physical things. So difficult for us to live in a natural realm and be citizens in a spiritual realm. That's it's hard. It's difficult. And it, we, there's got to be a balance, right? Because, I mean, you know, we can be so spiritual that we're no, we're no earthly good, right? You, you, that's possible. It's, right? Oh, my goodness. These people are so spiritual that they don't do the necessary things of life. The, the Bible teaches balance. And this, so this is, this is difficult. So here, what, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the, the spiritual authority of God's kingdom has privilege. And I'm thankful for that privilege. And you should be thankful for that privilege. But it comes with a right and a responsibility. Here's what, John, what Jesus said in John chapter 8. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be, be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. And so it's hard for me to understand. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, but I'm part of the kingdom. You're part of the kingdom, but it's not of this world. And so here, here where's the, where's the buy-in? Where's, the, where's the, the part of this that I don't understand? I'm still treating this like it's not a home. It, it's, it's, it, you know, it's that timeshare. 
I'm going to pick my week. I'm going to pick and choose. I'm going to, I'm going to pay this or not pay that. I, I, want, to, I want to trade my points in for this. I, I, you know, and we, we, we're treating it that way. But here's what Paul wrote to the church at Colossians. He said, talking about God, he said, who had delivered us from the power of darkness, Colossians chapter 1, verse, th- verse 13, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The NIV and several other translations render it, he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. And so, listen, you got to understand, the kingdom of God begins in the natural and it's transferred into the spiritual. And so the kingdom of God is really where Jesus Christ is going to rule and live. Excuse me. He reigns and rules in the heart. Now, I sat back in my chair about 6.30 this morning in my office and went, wait a minute. I got to tell these people that God reigns and rules in the heart. But the truth is, every one of them, just like me, reigns and rules in this heart. We talk about letting Jesus sit on the throne of our hearts, right? We talk about letting Jesus be Lord of our life. And those are expressions we use to talk about authority and dominion and and our, our immediate blessing right now. The benefit, right, is to be under kingdom rule. But here's the, here's the bottom line. It means that we're under God's authority in a world that is devoid of any real authority. This is key. Stay with me just one more moment. In the garden, God gave Adam complete dominion, complete authority. And Adam took his authority and gave it to sin. And God did not go take it back. He didn't take it back. What are you talking about, Brother Ross? I'm talking about Adam said, here, I'm surrendering my authority, my God-given authority to sin. And God said, I'm not, I'm not going to give that back. I'm not going to go take that from sin and hold it for you, Adam. Why? Why? He didn't override his choice. I'm talking about this, that every day when I wake up in the, in the morning, I've got to look at my attitude. I, I can tell you without doubt, when I wake up in the morning, I want to be identified. I want to be identified with the kingdom of heaven. When I wake up, I've lived for, I've lived for the Lord long enough. When I wake up, my desire is to live for God. But the truth is, every day when I wake up, I don't give that power and authority to God. Some days I keep it for myself, and sometimes I surrender it to sin. Wouldn't it be really nice, Brother Bruce, if we could just do it one time? God, this is yours. Glad that's over with. I went to an altar and gave God authority in my life, and he's got, listen, I'm talking about the benefit. Jesus identified, these are the kingdom of heaven. But here's the point. And I've been talking about this for several weeks. Henry, I'm not sure. I've been teaching about it for several weeks now, but I want to think that I'd be willing to lay down my life for the sake of righteousness. But I'm not sure. Why? Because every morning when I wake up, I've got to take the God-given authority 
and decide what I'm going to do with it. Every day. And throughout that day, I got to be careful that I don't say, no, 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 God, give it back to me. Some days I think it's like, God, me, God, and I'm playing. Some days I feel like I've got this yo-yo effect going on and I'm giving, I'm giving my control, my authority of my life to God. I'm taking it back. Some days I'm giving it a sin. I take it back. I repent. And I'm like, no, what do I? And I... Listen, there's a benefit. There's a blessing of being a part of the kingdom of heaven. There's an identifier and there's a qualifier. But what we've got to grasp, what we've got to wrap our minds around is that in order to be a real citizen of heaven, to in order to be that place where Jesus made it demonstrative, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I have got to surrender that authority, that rule to Jesus Christ Every moment of every day, in every situation, and every circumstance. And that, my brothers and sisters, is never easy. If it were easy, everybody would do it. But it's so difficult. But here, Brother Steve, if I can get the awareness, what are you doing? Right? It, you know, if you took out your wallet and handed it to a stranger, your wife hopefully would smack your hand and take your wallet back. Just like mine would. What are you? What's wrong with you? She hits you right in the back of that spot on that head where she can get on her tiptoes and reach. Mm, what's wrong with him? And sometimes I feel like that in my life when I have fallen, I have produced that authority over to to sin. I feel like God, right that spot, get it again, God. Yeah. Because I know, I know. You know. Sister Jesse, what's the benefit? Heaven. Heaven. But it comes with the attitude. It comes from the spirit that his will, his way is greater than my way. It, it don't feel like it in the moment. It don't seem like it at the time. But that's really what it comes down to. And that's the hard part. I can, I can have a poor spirit. I, I can be poor in spirit and know that I can't do absolutely nothing from God. And it can, it, can, it can qualify me. It can identify me as a citizen of heaven. But if I'm not willing to pay the price, if I'm not willing to suffer, if I'm not willing to lay down my life for the cause of the kingdom, I'll never go beyond identified to qualified. And that's how the beatitude works. How my attitude ought to be. But Tyler, when I get home, I don't want a mattress on the floor. <laughs> I want all my toys gone. Lord Jesus, I got a few toys. That little video was so cute of that young lady. I got to fix my attitude. I got to surrender my life to the Lord at every opportunity. That's how I fix my attitude. But God, I just, I, I, I just want to give him a piece of my mind. God, I, I just couldn't help myself. 
Lord, I, we all been there. We all done that. We all got that t-shirt. But the difference between identified for the kingdom and qualified for the kingdom is when I learn to say, okay, God, my tongue is getting sore, but I'm going to hold my peace. And I'm going to let you fight my battle. Amen? How many of you feel like you're part of the kingdom? Come on, you should, right? Right? You're qualified. You're identified. But now we've got to walk that walk all the way until our time comes to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And it's not easy. It's not easy. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the power of God that heals, that delivers, that sets men free. Lord, I pray for each one of us as we walk through this path of life. God, I pray that your mercy would go with us. Lord, if it were easy, everybody would do it. God, I pray, Lord, over the people of God this morning. I pray, Lord, of, over those of us that have been identified as citizens of heaven and we've been qualified by the blood of Jesus Christ. But I pray, God, you would help us to walk every day in every circumstance, not just for the privilege, not just, Lord, for the rights, but also with the responsibilities of heaven. Help us, God, to see beyond our own attitude, our own spirit, our own wants, our own desires, and to walk in greater communion with you. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.